wink, wakey, wakey, time to get it going. Happy hump day. It is Wednesday here on the Winkly. I am your managing editor, Nick Hausman, and I am joined here as I am every Wednesday by my good buddy, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkly. Good to be back. Oh, wonder We got a lot to get to here today, buddy. But before we do, I want to send out a special congratulations to Rey Mysterio. He has hit 30 years in the business of professional wrestling. It was actually yesterday. I saw the alert late yesterday. Just wanted to give a little shout out there to Ray because, man, 30 years, that is really hard to do, especially wrestling the style that he does. I'm just uh, amazed. 30 years in the business, still going as strong as he is. Yeah, and I was going to say the same thing for the style that he does uh, for the for the thirty years. And you know, he actually, you know, he 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 walks and gets around pretty well, much better than you'd think for somebody who who's done that for thirty years. No kidding. Yeah, you see some of these guys, and it's like watching a robot walk around. Where it's like, I I don't want to throw shade at Kurt Angle, but if you see Kurt in the wild, he moves a little. He moves a little stiff. You know, uh, Ray Mysterio. Yeah, what a what a bundle of energy and uh, uh, congratulations again. Thirty years in professional wrestling. Uh, well, we got a lot of news to get to here today. Uh, like I said later in the show, we got two big post Impact Rebellion interviews. Uh, uh, the second interview, I'll tease that one first, is going to be with Gail Kim. Uh, it is an interview I did last Friday. It was forty eight hours before her match, uh, coming out of retirement against Tessa Blanchard. It's still great. It plays fine. Uh, even though it was recorded before the match. So I hope you guys enjoy that. But also, I sat down with Rohit Raju yesterday, who publicly vented his frustrations about his booking in Impact Wrestling over the weekend and, of course, wrestled Scarlet at Impact's Rebellion. I do a lot of interviews, Justin. And Rohit, I've, I've known Rohit. I used to work with him on the indies when he was Hakeem Zane. Absolutely blew me away in this interview. All wrestlers, I hope you listen to this interview I expect this level of candor and transparency when I chat with you in the future. You're not going to, Justin, honestly, you will not believe how candid Rohit is with me in this interview. It's great. It's incredible. Why do you think it is? Do you, does he feel like he has nothing to lose? I, I think there's a little bit of that, but also it's like, you know, he was put in this position here by Impact Wrestling Management, it sounds like, and again, you'll all hear this in the interview, where he was asked to go on social media and to... Uh, get some heat, right? Put some heat on his match with Scarlett Bordeaux to build to, to build to this match that was going to happen at Sunday. Everything from beginning to end, it's a work, okay? First of all, incredible to hear a wrestler talk openly about a very current storyline they were part of. I mean, we're talking days old. And uh, to hear his actual thoughts on the women's revolution as opposed to, like, the misogynistic stuff he put out on Twitter and pissed everyone off. I mean, I've never heard a wrestler talk as candidly to me as as Rohit does in this interview there's no there's no curtain absolutely 100% burned curtain all right mm-hmm. I look forward to it now yeah all right well I look forward to playing it for you guys here again Rohit will be later in the show Gail Kim will be later in the show but right now we got some news you can use news that'll leave a bruise and my brain is bruised Justin because I wanted to go to sleep last night right I'm laying there and apparently the pro wrestling gods decided to drop all the news in the middle of the night and keep me awake last night. So if I sound a little tired, it is because I was up last night trying to get you all precious details for the story we're starting off with here today. Dean Ambrose has changed his Twitter handle to at John Moxley. It is it's a Twitter account he really has never used. And in this Twitter account now, he's dropped a video that shows him as Johnny Moxley breaking out of prison 
and going on the lamb. Now, in the video, there's a couple things you could pick out. One of the things I immediately noticed was there was the Viper Room logo in the background. It's a big snake. It's got a couple dice underneath it. That means to me, at least, that it was filmed in West Hollywood. Take that for what you will. Um, but after after texting a couple people last night to try to get some insight into what is going on here, two big things came out. First of all, I'm told, don't be surprised if you don't hear from Dean for a while. This could be a tease that leads to nothing for the foreseeable future. Secondly, I was uh, I'm under the impression he will not be a part of Starcast Two. So those are the two things that I I could find of note. But uh, Justin, what was your take here on the return of Johnny Moxley? Well, it was a well done and produced. Um, I don't know if I can call it hype video, but I guess hype video for for you know him returning as John Moxley. Uh, returning where, of course, that's that's the big question. Um, I I did notice how the the dice have two and five on them, which I thought was interesting because it's, you know May twenty fifth is double or nothing. Of course, you know he's he, I think he lives in Vegas now, or at least in the suburbs of Vegas. That's where that, that's where double or nothing's taking place. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if if nothing else, it confirms that he is not done with wrestling. You know, we all wondered, okay, if he leaves WWE, like. I don't know. You know, you know, does it though? You know, does it confirm uh, that? Does it? I, 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 well, why, why put out a video? If, I mean, I think it means he's going to be wrestling again. Maybe not, maybe not, maybe not immediately. If you're hearing it's going to be, it could be a while, but I think it, I think it at least lets, it's at least him saying his intentions are he's going to go, but he's still going to be in a wrestling ring somewhere. He's just going to be doing his job. I got a question for you, Justin. You, you work closely with the uh, IWC uh, up on the East Coast, right? The wrestling promotion? Yes. Have you guys talked to Moxley about booking him? Uh, not I haven't not that I don't I'm not aware of anybody else in the organization has. Okay, great. Because here's the thing: is I uh, unrepentantly hit up a, a a bunch of promoters last night, and I was like putting them, uh, grilling them up there, talking to Moxley. And across the board, everyone I talked to last night was like, "I have not talked to this guy. I have not heard from this guy." And in some cases, some ex- external people that I thought would be on the fringes that he would have to do business with if he was returning to the Indies all said the same thing. Now, I just find it difficult to believe that all of these people I talked to last night are lying to me in some coordinated work. I, well, don't, I well, don't know that but, this guy uh, but, I, but But my thought, I, I'm not, uh, at least in my mind, I'm not expecting him just to show up and start working the Indies again. My thought really was if if he turned down the money that we heard that he turned down for WWE and the, and the security of remaining there and being employed, and that... You know he's probably you know he's probably gonna want to go somewhere where he can get. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, like AEW would be the only other place you think that he can get that kind of money. So I mean, especially if they want to hold him out until the fall time until their TV, uh, I wouldn't expect. I, I then I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to be talking to any promoter. I could see him taking you know the next X amount you know six months off, just resting his body. I mean you know just just kind of like just woo sign for for lack of a better term. Um, you know going away just just long enough for people to forget and then him pop back up. Uh, and make and make a splash, you know, you know, on a new TV uh, deal for AEW. So, like, I mean, I'm not surprised if if, if a bunch of indie promoters uh, have not talked to him. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in a, a different direction with this story. Okay, and okay. here's the thing: I, I get all of that, everything you're saying. I mean, it, it's in line with what I'm hearing others saying too. But I still, in the back of my head, I do, I feel like there's some kind of weird swerve here that we're all going to engage with. And it's still weird to me that WWE would send him off the way they did. It's also weird to me that, like, an hour ago, Seth Rollins, like, quote retweeted 
this video with a fist bump as if to be like, cool, good for you, Johnny Moxley, um, for, for, for doing your thing. I find that all I find it all just very weird. OK, so uh, I don't find the Seth Rollins tweet weird. And OK, well, if we're going to talk about tweets, what about Cody Rhodes liked the John Moxley video? I saw that as well. Right. And I again, I don't know what's going on there with that. And again, do you think that if they were in on it, maybe a retweet? I don't know. We're like splicing social media. Here's hair, uh, hairs here. Right. Um, but anyway, here's the thing. I'm putting the pieces together and I'm sitting there and I'm really thinking about this. And maybe I had a couple beers last night at the bar underneath my apartment because I couldn't stop thinking about this. I'm trying to figure out what's going on now. I'm going to, I'm going to spin a theory here. And again, it's just a theory. It's just me punditing, but WWE did a send off for Dean Ambrose, right? The end of Dean Ambrose, Dean Ambrose's last match. What if he doesn't come back to WWE as Dean Ambrose? I don't think, I mean, I I get what you're saying. I don't think that would happen for the reason of this. I I don't think it's a lie. I don't think it's a work that he, even even if this all has been a work and and he is still with WWE and he's just going to take some time off. I don't think it's a work that his opinion probably, you know, has been, you know, that creative for him has just been mediocre, you know, at times, um, more than at times. So I would have a hard time seeing him, you know, John Moxley was all his, you know, that was, you know, of course, when he had no restrictions, he was his own boss was before he got to WWE and John Moxley obviously is a much edgier, darker character than some of the ridiculous things that we saw Dean Ambrose doing, uh, at times. I would have a hard time of him trusting WWE and WWE conversely giving him, you know, enough creative leeway to make him feel comfortable that he would risk the John Moxley character in WWE. Well, WWE is not known to Dean, give full creative. Dean Ambrose, I, the character Dean Ambrose was the most bland character, and this would be a chance for him to totally reboot that. Image. Right, but he, but but I, but I don't see him trusting WWE, and he's not going to want to damage the John Moxley name and value. I, 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 I don't, and, and and it's not like he's going to get full creative control because WWE doesn't do that. I mean, that, that's what happened. I mean, that's ultimately what really kind of. You know, when they tried doing the broken Matt Hardy in WWE, you know, it's just, you know, Matt has one vision for it. But obviously, you know, Vince is going to be involved. And I, and I don't think quite completely, completely got it the way that Matt intended it or got it. And then, you know, it just so it ultimately just kind of uh, faded out. And I, I just don't see him uh, putting the John Moxley character in WWE. And I don't see WWE allowing John Moxley to be what John Moxley would want to be. And everything from the violence in, in the ring to the, 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 the darkness and, and content matter potentially of of his promos and to his programs and his booking of what he what he'd be doing i just don't see it no. I, I see seth rollins putting the fist bump as hey man you're 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 off you're going you're, you're off and do something else um, you know obviously they're obviously they're real life friends uh, you know everybody knows dean ambrose is, is gone from WWE, so it's not like it's a big deal it's not taboo for seth to, to quote that tweet and get in any trouble i mean it's I don't know. I, I I think it's pretty straight. I think it's just he's going to be John Moxley, and he'll probably. And I think he shows up at AEW in the fall. If it is so, sh- this is pro wrestling, Justin, and I get it. I I like. Here's I, I I everybody everybody's like walking in line. Like here's what's happening. Here's what he's doing, and it's like we're all finding a consensus on what the story here is right now, and it's based off speculation. And I am just taking a step outside of the box and saying, what what else could this man be doing here right now? I also think that he may have had no plan, right? 
and dropped the video yesterday as just red meat in the water to see what the reaction is. And maybe his opinion today has completely changed. Maybe he just did this thing because he was like, I'm going to screw with everybody. Then I'm going to go away for a while. But, you know, maybe today, you know, he's getting blown up with all kinds of op- different kinds of offers and messages. Like, hey, we all saw the video. What's the deal here? Maybe that was the intent of this video was to see who's for real here, who's willing to put money on the table. I mean, that's a hell of a little teaser resume that he dropped last night, maybe with no agenda whatsoever. Uh, it's possible he could have put it out there. Just, you know, I mean, obviously he has been in the WWE walls for <clears throat> however many years. So, I mean, this was his, you know, g- getting back out in the wild, so to speak, and seeing what's out there. Um, you know, I, I do think I, I would be cautious to, to to think that and say that there had to be a certain amount of planning behind him wanting to do this or a certain, it had to be some purpose or agenda. I mean, again, this is a guy who doesn't use social media. So the fact that he, you know, is using his social media that he, that he, and, and here's another thing for people that don't. So he's under the John Moxley handle. And it was previously the handle that was the Dean Ambrose that was, that was under WWE and hence why WWE follows him and such like that. So there had to be a certain amount of planning because he still has his verified check. Um, and I can tell you having a verified check on Twitter myself, if you change your Twitter handle, you lose your check, unless you you know can get unless you can get to the inside Twitter people and say, look, I'm changing my handle, but I you know, but then they deem that you still are the same person, you still are worthy of your your Twitter verification blue check mark. So it's so like what my point I'm making here is that there's been a certain amount of planning. There's been a certain amount of planning for him to change his handle, uh, for you know any any WWE emails or any WWE links uh, or access that the social media team could have had to his Twitter has gone away. But obviously he still you know got it to where he still verifies. Everybody knows that it is still the man, you know Jonathan Good. Um, you know, so he must have got a hold of Twitter. I mean, like, I'm just my point is he, he, there's a certain amount of planning to, to all this for a guy who doesn't normally use social media. Like, he's got a purpose. No, I that's the dude. I'm a hundred percent with what you said. There is another bigger entity in play here that is helping him walk this line here, and that's why I, you know, look, everybody's going to tell me I'm nuts and I'm prepared for the tweets, but I def I I I'm not over the idea that he's not with WWE anymore. Even what you just said. I'm like, yeah, you would need a giant like company like WWE with their experienced social media team that would be able to have that conversation with Twitter and and help him execute this work, you know? Yeah, again, I just go back. I mean, everything you're saying of him staying with WWE would make sense. It would be a and it would be a creative splash and the best creative thing that he's gotten to do since the since the birth of the Shield. But again, I just can't see the, the knowing the man himself is a little bit. He's you know he he definitely walks to his his own his own rhythm. I I just uh, I don't see him allow, risking the John Moxley character in in the WWE world. I look, you know the thing is, if he was like if he was off and running elsewhere, he'd be announced for Starcast, right? He'd be. There'd be other things. There's like there's, no, there's no, matters. not 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 it not not if he's already came to an agreement, whether it's verbally or or, or even he's, something more in depth. He's, if he's already came, if he came to an agreement with AEW and they said, "Look, we are going to hold you, so we have a big splash for our for, you know for our first season of TV, so we don't want you at Starcast, we don't want you doing anything, we want you in, in, we want you to stay in the dark, and other other than your little teasing on a Mox video." Then no, he's not going to be sarcastic anywhere else. If he Where's, wants to stay quiet for a little while, I mean, again, obviously he apparently doesn't need the money. So okay, fine. That's not like he, maybe maybe you know. maybe Starcast isn't a layup because sure, okay, but why? Where's his pro wrestling tease store? Why wouldn't he launch a pro again? Again, he's not going to launch any of that until like <laughs> what are you I mean, talking he, this is about? calculated. What are you talking? This is the, this is calculated. Why launch? Wait, 
all, the Johnny pro wrestling tees can that that shirt can launch that that line Come can on. launch again once he debuts at Come AEW on. in the fall. Oh, if this guy was making a, that's the thing is like I don't know maybe maybe you're right maybe he's doing a very good job of keeping all of the the scent off of him before he just shows up at the end of Double or Nothing, which very well could happen. But at the same time, I'm just like there's some weird stuff here, man, where he's acting like somebody who's not really outside of the model outside of the model right now, in my opinion. I I don't know. I I I think I think it's just I don't know. I think it's pretty pretty. I don't want to say straightforward. I just again I think you, you just let everybody know John Mox is back. You'll see him again, and then again AEW seems like the most logical place, but maybe in the fall. So maybe there's a so maybe there's you know time's gonna go by, and like you said, like you like you like you've apparently heard from whoever you're talking to. We're not gonna hear from him for a while. No pro wrestling tea store. No Starcast. No indies. You gotta wait until you see him pop up on AEW TV in the fall. Uh. Man, yeah. Again, you know, I, you know, I also got the vibe. Again, things could change today. Was another weird thing I heard from somebody where it's like, well, what does that mean? That's why I say, was this all just red meat in the water? Was he just trying to see who was genuinely interested? But man, there's just, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there. I still don't understand the WWE send off and the idea that he is that, that Dean Ambrose is gone, but Johnny Moxley is back. I just, you know, I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> That's you keep saying that you keep saying that you keep saying that WWE send off you can't understand. What do you not understand? Look, they, they first off they kept them they, they kept them off TV. So like they at a point they stopped they stopped put them on TV. They stopped wasted TV minutes. The send off in terms of doing the the, the this thing with the network special at the house show and then um, letting him you know talk to the dark crowds after tapings. I, to me, that's just them. First off, Dude. he's a, you know first off his two closest friends are your are two of the most important people to WWE talent wise Seth yeah. Rollins and, and Roman Reigns so I think they're they're gonna care about uh, do they rub those two guys the wrong way but even bigger than that Dude. without Dean Ambrose you can't have the Shield right like they, like we're never gonna see the Shield again until Dean Ambrose ever comes back to WWE all right like they're not gonna like plug somebody new in and, and try to do a, a second version of the Shield so to me it was WWE getting the last marketing dollars they could get. Out of marketing the shield, hence, hence why let's let's show the last shield match from a house show. Let's 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 let them talk to the live crowd. Like to, to me, it was just okay. You know, we're, we're losing we're losing a fact we're losing one of our most successful factions. So let's get the last few dollars we can out of them by you know showing the network special or whatever. But he's gone. They took him off TV. He's gone. I, I think he's gone. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, like, look, the revival. They shave each other's backs. The club. They lose. Luke Harper. He wants out. Great. Cool, buddy. We're gonna charge you for the time off while you were injured. They're not treating people the way they treated Dean Ambrose if he allegedly is going out the door. It just is out well, of because, because Ambrose's contract ran was running out, so they had no they had no play. They they had the leverage with everybody. They had the leverage with with Harper because Harper's got another you know year on the another. You know, another year on the deal, and 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 the revival's got you know until twenty twenty. So like, but but if 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 Ambrose had came out twelve months ago and said how publicly you know angry he was, said publicly how angry and frustrated he was, it would he would be in the same situation, but different situation. His contract's up; they have no leverage. They had no they have no hold on him. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna classify this as a fluid story. You know, I I, I think it's a fat it's a it's a fun thing to pundit about. I mean, this is why pro wrestling is great right now. But, you know, for me, it's a fluid story. I don't think it's a done deal, and I don't think it's as straightforward as, uh, you know, it's being made out from a lot of I saw headlines last night. Johnny Moxley announces his return to the Indies. Uh, that's not how I interpreted that, you know? I, no, I, yeah, I did not interpret he's returning to the Indies. I, like I said, I think he might already have his destination figured out, and he already has his plan. He's just letting everybody know it'll, it'll be as John Moxley. See, see him when you see him.
He is he is of a class, a, a cut of cloth of gentlemen that really just enjoy messing with people. Don't forget that. CM Punk was also in a mask at a, a local indie show not long ago. And it is, you know, final note here, it is crazy to think, you know, let's say he is off and gone and going to AEW. You could have Double or Nothing realistically end with both CM Punk and Johnny Moxley in the ring, and that's insanity. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, talk about headlines. <laughs> There's your, there's your outsiders, right? There's your Kevin Nash and Scott Hall 2.0, Johnny Moxley, CM Punk. Who wouldn't go absolutely nuts for that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be the same kind of booking as the outsiders, Hall and Nash. But I mean, that would be, I mean, that would be, that would be. I mean, let's let's. But who's the third man? It's Brock Lesnar. No, well, let's get to Brock here. All right, we've spent 20 minutes talking about Moxley. ESPN reports that Dana White has said to them that Brock Lesnar is done with MMA. He is now officially retired from MMA. Uh, th- how is this not the top story on a Wednesday? I don't know. But Brock Lesnar is done with MMA. He's retired. WWE has announced Brock, Goldberg, and The Undertaker for their next Saudi Arabia show in Jeddah. It's going to go down June 7th at 8 p.m. AST. I'm guessing that's like 4 a.m. or maybe in the afternoon here in the States. Um, but some big names here. And obviously, Vince McMahon, you know, uh, was able to, to wrangle Brock back into the, the fold here. You know, they they were down this last quarter. I, I would think that this was a, a bit of a Hail Mary toss to, to keep some, some mojo around them right now by, by getting these guys involved. Yeah, you know, especially, you know, Brock doesn't do a lot of interviews and do a lot of public speaking as he's as he, as he alluded to uh, recently. It's especially interesting. That's the fact that Brock, you know, it's not like it's not like it's not like Brock does, you know, an interview every single month. So you have a lot to pick from. It's especially weird that it just so happens that just not long ago, Brock did speak. Uh, it's, I forget what it was, it was like some kind of a convention. It was, a, it or, was in or, Australia. Or, it was like an Australian convention over the weekend. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah. So 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 a rare and that's actually where at the same at the same convention, he, he acknowledged he doesn't do a lot of interviews. And, you know, he says he tends to say the wrong things and whatever. But he even says in this in, in this in this address, he says that he purposely keeps his, you know, dealings, his contract terms and such with Dana White and Vince McMahon both short. So that way he can go back and forth and get, get the money and get the exposure on both platforms. So the fact that he says that he basically reveals his game plan in, 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 in his in his business, in his career. And then not long after that, he all of a sudden now cuts off the you know the the mma side of things so yeah that that to me tells me that wwe has had some influence on him that vince has offered him something whether it's amount of money and a term of look i don't want i don't want to worry about you going to ufc i want you just to be a wwe guy maybe it's maybe it's one final run maybe there's a retirement plan in place of, of a final match or brock puts somebody over you know maybe brock puts over a Lars sullivan i don't know but like it it, it absolutely 100 to me has WWE involved in it in some form or fashion that has convinced him uh, to just step away from MMA because I mean because he was definitely training for MMA because I mean we could you could physically tell as you saw Brock um, these last few times that he was definitely had some was back in some kind of MMA training because his body was 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 looking different than than prior. I mean, if they're going to, I mean, I, I think there is some of the idea that Brock is going to be back for the foreseeable future. Now, if he's done with MMA, they they grabbed this guy and they said, "Look, we we don't want to mess around here anymore. Here's a big dump truck filled with money. Okay, Brock, you're with us for the foreseeable future. I don't think he's going to AEW or anything like that. I think he's a, a WWE guy now, probably for life. And uh, you know, if he's back in the fold here." Um, you know, I, I looked at Brock Goldberg Undertaker here. I mean, I would guess for Saudi, maybe a Brock. I mean, if you're going to have Goldberg there, Brock Lesnar would make the most sense for an opponent putting those guys against each other, right? 
Yeah, easy match. They don't have to do much. It's just a big novelty, two big names. You don't even really have to build or do any, you know, elaborate promos. And let's not forget about SmackDown moving to Fox. Um, you know, if Fox wants real sport, I mean, you know, I mean, Brock Lesnar was the world champion. He's one of the best known real fighters from the MMA world. So, um, you know, what, what, what a grab that would be if I think Brock started his career on SmackDown, if I remember correctly. So what a, you know, what, maybe that's part of the, um, maybe that's part of the proposal here. I already see it in my head. Cause I think you're right about Brock on SmackDown. I thought the same thing with Fox. And then that leads me to think who's the current champion on SmackDown right now. And uh, that is Kofi Kingston. And I, I could see this very much being the swan song for Kofi's title run is a match with Brock Lesnar that I don't think he wins. Uh, yeah, I mean, talk about a ton of heat on Brock, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, too, right? Kofi can go through Kevin Owens, maybe one other guy. Going to SummerSlam here, Brock Lesnar just brutalizes this man that's smaller than him and, uh, you know, takes the title as we roll into you know, to Fox on, in October. Yeah. And again, I do think there's something to, uh, you know, I mean, it, it comes down to, okay, like, you know, who, who's, who, you know, who's left for big opponents for Brock? Um, you know, like who, you know, and again, I, you know, I look at a guy like, you know, we've, we've already seen him with Braun. We've seen him with Roman, you know, we've seen him with Seth. We've seen him with Undertaker. We've seen him with Triple H. You know, I look at a guy like a Lars Sullivan, who again, maybe in six months from now, we're not even talking about Lars, who knows, but it certainly seems like he's, he's the next big project for WWE. And I could certainly see again, the long term. you know, we always hear about how Vince, is always planning the next year's WrestleMania, you know, a year out. He's all, you know, he's all, so I can already see him, you know, projecting, look, we'll protect Lars Sullivan for the next year. Uh, we'll keep him away from, from people like Brock or Braun. And then that could be a big mania moment where again, you know, Brock, uh, Brock does a job to help solidify, you know, the next big monster. Yeah. Uh, well, I've brought, Hey, you know, in that interview that he did in Australia, we were talking about, he said, he's not going to do movies at the rock because he'd lose to the rock. I don't think he's going to lose to Lars Sullivan. And it just seems a little early. So, <clears throat> Last night on SmackDown, Jeff Hardy, speaking of Lars Sullivan, Jeff Hardy announced that he officially has to undergo surgery on his right knee. He says he's going to be gone for a long time. Uh, Matt declares that the SmackDown tag titles have been vacated. Then Lars attacked. He laid out Matt. He laid out our truth And then shortly after SmackDown went off the air, Matt tweeted out that he's going to have to walk and fight alone for now. So it does look like Matt Hardy will get a singles run here. Uh, vacated SmackDown tag team titles. I mean, there's really three stories here. The titles are vacated. Lars Sullivan attacked them, and Matt Hardy is now a single star. Let's start with the, the vacated tag titles. What would you do with these right now? Uh, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think if you want to get some programming out of it, I mean, I, I, I think uh, some kind of a tournament format tournament! to kind of tournament. You know, get to it. Yeah. No, that's good. It's good here. I uh, uh, here. I've got a. I've got a giant kazoo. Anytime we say tournament, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Tournament! I'm just, it's just, there's so many tournaments in WWE. Everything, ever, it's like, there's so many things that are happening right now. People getting injured. I feel like we had three tournaments. We had like the May Young Classic. We had the, the Dusty Classic. And we had the, the 205 Live uh, tournament all like at the same time heading into WrestleMania here. Let's, it's been a while since we had, it's been two months since we had a tournament. More tournaments! <laughs> Bring them back! You know? Well, I mean, it's it's a way to occupy. I mean, again, they got all that programming. They got to fill each week. Yeah, um, it's Jesus. just it's a, it's just a way to occupy the programming. Good. You know what? Nothing screams emotional investment like let's occupy the time in the program. <laughs> I'm just saying, they got five hours. They got to fill, uh, <laughs> really, or at least two hours each week. I get to see them say, "No, oh, let's stretch this out for a few weeks. Let's have a you know some kind of a nothing, tournament format." Nothing screams passion like we've got to occupy this time with something, people. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's all. You know. 
I'm sorry. It's like I can't let anything go anymore. It's like I hear this stuff and I'm like, what kind of a bizarro world are we living in? Right? It's, it's true, though. They got occupied. Sure. Great. You know what? I'm going to go opposite direction. I watched the f- season finale of Curse of Oak Island last night. I think Vince McMahon should bury the tag titles somewhere in this country and we can do a weeks long series of vignettes where different tag teams get clues and are trying to find the tag titles that Vince McMahon has hid somewhere in these beautiful United States of America. Maybe the tag titles are inside the Firefly Funhouse. You know what? Great. Yes. Wonderful. And see, now we have a we have a conclusion to our compelling story that is going to occupy television time. I love it. <laughs> I like, I like, you know, well, that's, that's, that's how I look at this podcast. We're occupying an hour, right? <laughs> occupying your time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that Rohit Raju interview. I mean, the Gail Kim one's good, but the Rohit, you guys, I'm putting that one before Gail because you're really going to like it. All right. Anyway, back to, back to the Hardys here. Um, <laughs> now, Lars, <laughs> Lars Sullivan attacked, you know, he laid out truth and Matt here. Um, Jeff managed to get away, I believe, um, if my memory serves correctly here. There's something about Lars here, as big and imposing as he is, like the crowd is dead when he comes out, I feel like. He's not getting booed. I don't really I don't I don't understand what's not connecting here with Lars in the crowd. Well, uh yeah, and you're right. There is a it doesn't feel like there's a <clears throat> I can actually I think one thing is um well, I mean it, it just it, <sighs> You know, they're trying to have him attack. I mean, you know, they, okay, he's attacked Kurt Angle, he's attacked the Hardy, he's attacked our truth, all people that all, all, you know, babyface acts that are over with the crowd. I just think it's kind of, I think it's almost too, I think it's just almost too, we've seen this too many times, right? You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, if you really look, if you really look in like the last, I mean, look, you know, they did, they did this, you know, uh, six years ago, I guess it might have been, it might have been six years ago, you know, with Ryback and Ryback beat up a bunch of people for a long time. You know, Braun Strowman, I mean, I, I think it just gets to a point where it's like, all right, we, we've seen this before. So I, you know, I think, um, you know, I think there might have been some, you know, if you look at the most successful debuts, if you really look back in history, the most successful debuts, it's when somebody, it's when somebody comes up and attacks and kind of it, 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 it jumps right into a story. You know what I mean? Uh, I think the, I think the, the old fashioned formulaic of, okay, you know, you're, you're going to beat a bunch of people up for a while. It wears. It, 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 it's just too repetitive. I think when somebody comes in and, you know, they, 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 they attack somebody and jump right into a story with that one person or something, I think there's just more of an impact there. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, again, it's just we've seen the same old, same old. So it's going to take it's going to take an actual story, maybe maybe a story, maybe a story with Matt Hardy. Maybe the fact that you know, maybe if, 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 if this is Lars's first program, if we build to a match between Matt right. and Lars, yes. um, you know. Maybe that will help get some heat on Lars. You know what I mean? Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah, and you know, I the thing is, it was it's just it was just a, it's another beatdown, right? Like you say, we've seen it a little bit. Maybe raise the stakes. Maybe drag Jeff into the back. You know, maybe have a stunt man uh, double out when he rolls off screen, and then just throw Jeff off the top of the building or something like that. I don't know something impactful that's not what we've seen over and over again. I'm just throwing out ideas here today. Justin. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right now, Lars is very much occupying segments. He's occupying, large man occupying segment, Lars Sullivan. Uh, and also with Matt Hardy here, now that he's off and alone, I think that him and, and Lars Sullivan, great idea, good good program there, those two could have. Um, but, you know, him and Bray Wyatt had pretty good chemistry, and I would love to see how a broken or woken Matt Hardy would fit into the, the Firefly Funhouse universe. Um. You know, it's funny, you know, obviously Matt used to do the whole woken word of the day and then, you know, Bray just did the word uh, on this past week's Firefly segment. You know, um, uh, and I know Matt and Bray like each other. I know that they enjoy their time together. I know they, they genuinely do like each other, I, but I don't um, 
I, I think, again, going back to what I said earlier when we were talking about Moxley, and I was using Matt Hardy as a reference uh, creatively, I think, I think, I think, I don't know if I can't, I can't speak for Matt, but I, I, I think Vince at least, you know, is kind of seeing, okay, you know, my, you know, my team extreme, Matt Hardy, that, that we, that we, that grew up literally, literally grew up as a teenager in WWE and in front of our audience. That's the Matt Hardy I want. That's the Matt Hardy I know how to market. And, and you know, obviously, again, and I think Matt maybe has probably accepted that. So, um, I, you know, I think probably that's, you know, we'll just get a mid card Matt who is, again, just one half of Team Extreme. He's on his own, comes out to that same, you know, Hardy Boys music. Um, you know, picks and chooses his high spots of of of, of extreme. Obviously, he's you know being smart about his body. But yeah, I mean, he would be a great guy to work with Lars Sullivan. I mean, obviously, Matt's just got so much experience as a veteran, and he could be somebody who could really you know t- t- teach Lars a lot probably in, in a short amount of time. If we're gonna go team extreme, Matt Hardy is a single star. Then we gotta have the return of Matt Fax in the lower right hand corner, right? I mean, go the distance with it if you're gonna do it. Well, that that wasn't team extreme. That was uh, you know, that that well, was V1. Matt getting into the version. Okay. But you you know where I'm going with this. Oh, I love the Matt. I, I, one of the best things, if you want to mess with Matt on social media, is get him to give you a Matt fact. There you go. Uh, also at SmackDown last night, we got some new entrance into the Money in the Bank ladder matches, or the final entrance, I should say. SmackDown added Randy Orton, Ali, Finn Balor, and Andrade to the Men's Money in the Bank, Money in the Bank, and they also added Mandy Rose, Carmella, Ember Moon, and Bailey to the women's side of the Money in the Bank match. Um, I, I feel... Um, I feel like Andrade, you know, last night I tweeted, I thought Ali, Ali would make a lot of sense. Um, if you're going to have a, like a, a baby face, it's going to call a shot with the, the, the briefcase. But the more I've thought about it, I think Andrade is the man to take this money in the bank here. He can tease it for a long time. Zelina can walk around with the briefcase. He just feels like the guy that would get the most out of this. Um, yeah, I think I would tend to agree with that. Um, uh, well, you know, what, again, what becomes interesting is, I mean, granted, I think the, I think the unofficial rule, you know, in the rule book that is WWE, is they get, the, you know, they get a year to hold a briefcase that they can cash in. I mean, I, as we're now talking about, like, okay, Andrade, like, he's a guy on SmackDown, so if he wins it, is he cashing in on SmackDown? We're talking about Brock Lesnar, you know, maybe winning the title in the fall, you know, so it starts to become interesting. Like, okay, like, you know, we have seen a couple times, unfortunately, we have seen a couple times in the recent years, the Money in the Bank winner, for whatever reason, cashing in and being unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be, it used to be, it was surefire. If you got the money to make briefcase, it was surefire. You're going to be the champion in the next year, probably sooner. Um, now that's not necessarily the case anymore. So, uh, I mean, Andrade could win it and they could say, okay, him having a briefcase is supposed to be a push. It's supposed to be a boost, supposed to let you know, let the audience know that this guy is more important now, but he could still ultimately not, not, you know, be successful in cashing in it. You know, or he could cash it in on a Kofi Kingston and five seconds later, here comes Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar beats him. I, yeah, I don't know. It could be like a lot of different things. Yeah, for sure. Or, you know, Brock Lesnar beats Kofi and then Andrade, you know, comes in and whacks him a bunch of times in the briefcase and he somehow, uh, you know, gets a victory over Brock. You know, and again, with the, the Fox move, I know that it was brought up that Andrade was even moved back to SmackDown because they were looking for, you know, more Latin talent over on uh, the SmackDown brand right now. And, you know, what a what a better what a great way to showcase that guy and give him, you know, a little oomph around him, a great story you can follow through their, uh, you know, Spanish programming they're going to do on their uh, Fox Deportes or whatever I think is their Spanish channel. Mm -hmm. Then to have Andrade carrying around that money in the bank ladder or money in the bank briefcase. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, as we talk about SmackDown, let's switch gears here to Raw. We got the viewership numbers in for Raw. And man, you know, uh, you know, I, I have uh, when, I, when it's going to storm, I actually feel the pressure drop. I'm one of those people that can kind of tell, you know, like my, my knee starts to feel weird when I can when I know it's going to rain or something like that. Um, I had I had a feeling 
you know, on Monday, as I'm watching the news come in and we're all talking about AEW and some some other stuff, there really wasn't a whole lot of buzz going into Monday's Raw. And I remember texting Raj and being like, I don't think this show is going to do very well tonight. I just don't feel anything around it. And uh, turns out I was right. Um, this show was down 9% from last week. It is the lowest non-holiday Raw viewership in history. They drew an average of 2.158 million viewers. Uh, it was uh, the only shows to garner lower numbers than that were the New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve taped episodes in 2018. The first hour did 2.3, second 2.2, but really the drop-off here, the final hour, 1.898 million, under 2 million viewers, which very, very rarely happens for any of the three hours. Um, yeah, man, problem. Problem. Here. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't even... Um... I did not watch this past week's Raw live. I, I didn't watch a minute. I, I actually opted to go visit a friend who happened to be free, and I hadn't seen him in a while. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll skip it. And partially kind of, to be honest, you know, like if there probably was a lot of buzz and I did know and feel like, okay, this, this is going to be a, one of those, you know, not only milestone, but this is going to be a very significant episode of Raw. You know, maybe I would have opted and said, you know, this is what I need to be live tweeting. I need to be engaged in. I need to whatever. And maybe wouldn't have opted to go socialize, but there was no buzz. I went and socialized and then uh, come to learn, I really didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't know what they're, and you know, they're about to, I mean, look, they just announced the Saudi Arabia show. That's going to leak out over the next couple of days. I don't, again, I don't think they're going to get uh, positive things said here in some circles. So I don't, you know, I don't know what they do here or what they announce for Monday, next Monday, or what you do to get back on the tracks here, but it just feels like they're hemorrhaging blood right now and they're not doing anything to treat the wound yeah you know i mean again it, it, there's a problem there's no cut there's no way around. There, there is a problem um I, I think you know there's a lot of i think there's a lot of factors there's again too much damn programming that they have to try to uh, you know and i think creatively they get burnt out i also think that you know vince has been vince is this, this, such a strong personality slash ego and he's basically been the monopoly for so long um, since since one And now that the wrestling, it doesn't matter whether or not Vince, you know, who knows what he actually truly believes. I know, you know, who, you know, I know Jim Ross recently said, you know, Vince probably isn't looking at AEW or worrying about AEW or whatever. But the, prob, the, the, the wrestling industry is perceiving that AEW is going to be a serious threat. And, and obviously the talent are hence why that so many talents are now willing to speak up. Cause I think that, you know, they, 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 they see if there might be a, or some better grass, or some greener grass. And I think this is what you get when there's been a monopoly for so long, when you've been in charge for so long and he's, I, I, maybe he's just, he's too, too stuck in his ways. I mean, again, and especially when, you know, you go in the boardroom and even though this quarter one wasn't too good, but you know, they're still doing, you know, really great business overall. They're getting more money out of fans than ever, but yeah, there are fewer fans watching than 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 ever. Yeah, man, I I could talk more about this. Uh, we've already gone so long; we got more no news to get to here. But yeah, we will. You know, we'll be back tomorrow. You know, we'll look at the SmackDown viewership and how they did, and you know, we can compare notes again a little bit about uh, you know how to how to address the issue of bringing more people back to the table. Um, but let's take a look here at the hypothetical revolving door that is at the front of the WWE headquarters uh, and see who's coming and going and where they're going right now. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, pepper through three here real quick. Wrestling Observer reporting Killian Dane is imminently headed back to NXT. Uh, his wife, Nikki Cross, will remain on Raw, 
very rare instance here of WWE splitting up a married couple. So we can talk about that here in just a second. Um, PW Insider reporting that Leo Rush was backstage at Raw, but not used. A lot of talk apparently backstage about his future. And uh, much like Killian Dane, he could see himself move back to NXT. And uh, finally here, uh, yesterday on the show, we played an interview with Kurt Angle that our own Andy Malnowski did out in the field. And in that interview, uh, Kurt did reveal that he signed a five-year deal with WWE where he'll work as a producer and teases that he could be a manager possibly for a few talents. Um, of, of those three here, uh, what stood out to you? Uh, what are your impressions, Justin? Uh, well, I don't really see Kurt. I don't see Kurt much as a manager just because, again, I can't see him uh, he, just because he's such, he, you know, he's a legend. So he's always going to get a babyface reaction. And again, I don't really see, you know, I don't like babyface managers as we've talked about unless they really do find some young pup who they feel like if we oh if we put Kurt in his corner as like a as like a as like a you know that that's his mentor and then eventually he turns on Kurt but I don't I don't really see Kurt as a manager producer absolutely uh, would be great um the Leo Rush you know the Leo Rush situation reminds me a lot of Enzo in the terms of Enzo was you know a lot of problems backstage so then they try to move him they move him to 205 and actually Enzo did great for 205 live he actually brought some buzz and some of the best viewerships right and he probably would have kept going if not for the allegations that that, that that popped up out of nowhere and sideswiped WWE, which released him. So if Leo gets moved to like NXT, you know, it's a different environment. Uh, you know, Triple H runs a little bit of a different ship. I, that might be, you know, he, Leo could really take NXT by storm. So that might work out well for him. Right. And then, yes, yeah, in terms of splitting up uh, Dane and Nikki, um, it, it is a split up. It is, it is unusual as you noted, but it's, it's more, un, it's more unusual when they split them up and they, and they expect one to be on raw, one to be on SmackDown and work those road schedules, not seeing each other. This is a case where Dane obviously won't have to work the same kind of demanding schedule because he'll be yeah. doing NXT. So it might not be as big of a deal. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yes, yes, yes. I also think Leo Rush has a chance to become a breakout star in NXT. And in regards to the Kurt Angle as a manager thing, um, when I was thinking about it, you know, I would, you know, I would entertain the idea of Kurt running like a, you know, like an MMA style gym, you know, how there's like different gyms that uh, fighters are a part of, right? And they're like, these are the guys that I train with. I think it would be cool to have, like, a Kurt Angle gym where he had, like, a couple talents that he, you know, you could see the vignettes of them training, you know, in their gym, and he, you know, represents them, maybe comes to, to the ringside for some of their fights and, and gives them a pep talk, but more as, like, a fox catcher-type manager where he's, like, a trainer that runs a, a gym with a, with a couple talents. You know what I mean? You know, I actually, I, I actually do like that. Uh, I do like that, and, again, that might be something that, again, is very um... – fox sports mm -hmm. liking mm -hmm. so yeah again outside the box i'm full of them here today i should just i should stay up till two o'clock in the morning uh th drinking and thinking about johnny moxley more often uh that's uh, apparently good for my pundit team um pwinsider.com reporting that wwe decided to move the club to, uh to raw a few weeks before the superstar shakeup uh there's no change in their contract status they are expected to leave in september still uh, and Carl Anderson tweeted out to a fan who asked about why they're not too sweeting that he said that ship has sailed. So um, my impressions here with these guys, I think they're going to leave and I don't think they're going to go to uh, AEW New Japan or anything. I, I think they're just going to take some time off, maybe do their podcast for a while. That seems to be what their trademarks imply here, at least, that these guys uh, are going to be chatting it up about their, their careers in the business, doing some training. Uh, yeah, I definitely think they leave WWE, but I, I think... You know, I know they both have their families here, you know, and uh, they both have kids here in the States. Um, but I, I I think there's I think there's still going to be money there for them, especially in, in Japan. I wouldn't be shocked if they did some work in Japan. Maybe not maybe not the, the kind of um, 
commitment and tour of where they have to be over there for six months or relocate. But I could see them, um, you know, still taking some money where they can get it uh, from from Japan. Um, the Singh brothers have officially moved to 205 Live. They lost to the Lucha House Party on last night's episode of 205 Live. Um, so it looks like, you know, we'll get our wish here. The Singh brothers is a tag team away from Jinder Mahal. Uh, Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. tweeted out that he has forgiven Randy Orton for burning down his house. That's very nice of him. He's very into forgiveness. And our last note here in the news, uh, news segment, Scott Demore tweeted out that he would love to see Ken Shamrock take on Brian Cage for the Impact World title. And lo and behold, Ken and Cage both decided to jump in on Twitter, teasing that Ken Shamrock could come and challenge Brian Cage in an Impact Wrestling ring here pretty soon. I'm not going to lie. I don't watch too much Impact anymore these days, but something, I guess there's probably nostalgia about Ken Shamrock in a pro wrestling ring. Again, I've seen Brian Cage live, saw him at Lucha Underground years ago. Um, I actually, that would actually maybe get get me to tune in. My guest at this time is an Impact Wrestling star and a member of the Desi Hit Squad. You most recently saw him on Impact's Rebellion pay-per-view. It is Rohit Raju. Rohit, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. My pl- Now, before we get into all this, like you and I actually worked together briefly on the independent scene when I did managing, and you're one of the few wrestlers that I like know and get to see on, on TV every week. That actually remembers that. And I thank you. You brought that up the last time we saw each other. Oh, man. I, I don't forget stuff like that. I remember you were doing uh, a show back then and I was on. You had me on. And I always enjoyed doing stuff like that. And you were always cool down at Blitz. So, uh, yeah, I, I always, you know, remember people like that. So It's nice, man. You know, and that's the thing is I like you, right? Like, I, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Rohit is, like, nice to me. And then I see you on Twitter the other night and you start venting <laughs> your frustrations about your spot on impact. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta reach out here. You got a friend in need right Mm -hmm. now. So (laughs) before we, before we get into the match and stuff with Scarlett here, what led you to, to venting frustrations on social media? Um, well, it's, you know, to be honest, it speaks for itself really. Um, of course people will always say, Oh God, he's got to stop. Yada, 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 yada. You know, I, 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 I don't even figure myself as this. I've been called this by many people backstage, you know, a workhorse. So, and I have been busting my butt at Impact. You know, I started out as Hakeem Zane. I had won the Global Forge thing, and I was there, and then they wanted to do the Indian gimmick, so, you know, I became the Daisy Hit Squad, which was cool. And I've just been really trying to find an edge there and work hard and improve, and I keep being told, yes, Dude, we notice you're improving. You're, you know, getting so much better. You're this, you're that. But when it comes time to using me on a pay-per-view, I, you don't see it. You don't see my face or anybody else in my group. You don't see our face on the posters or not on the side shows. So to be honest, it is pretty frustrating. That's you know that's legit. Um, no t-shirts. The t-shirts we have are our own. So it does get frustrating. You know, you're with a company and you're busting your butt for the company, and and you would hope that they see this and you're being told that they see this, but then you just don't see anything really come to fruition. So yeah, it is frustrating. And, and um, that's kind of where that went. So, and then it turned into something huge. So <laughs> and everybody wanted to crucify me on social media, which I found pretty hilarious. Okay. Now just to, to clarify here now, did impact, did impact ask you to do this or was this just all legitimate? This is just from the heart. You decided to hop on social media and try to make some business happen. 
I kind of a little bit of A and B. They just told me to run down, you know, talk about Scarlet, and uh, and then I just kind of put my own two cents in there as, as well. So you, it's always the best ones are always the ones that are blurred between the lines. And I actually almost got fired. Uh, really, a funny story. No one, Ed, you know, Ed Norholm, yeah, didn't know we were having a match. So he sees me just put her on blast. And everything that I said, and he's not, he doesn't know. So he's still super upset about the stuff with Eli. And so he gets a hold of Scott. He's like, he he literally had my letter firing me. He had it written out, the email. And yes, yes, because he was so mad. He's like, what the hell is wrong with Rohit? You know, why, we don't care if people, what these guys think about, you know, the women on the show and all this other stuff. He's like, I can't believe he didn't learn his lesson from Eli. And he's like, he's fired. You know, you fire him. I got the email written up right now. Tell him, don't even bother coming to the pay-per-view and the tapings. He's done. And uh, then they had to find out. He had to find out from, I think it was Don. was like, no, no, no. We want him to talk about the match. And, uh, yeah, so, but it's a little bit half-truth. Like, I, I love being at Impact. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Um, but I, I do want... Uh, I want more, and I work hard, and I believe, you know, like I said, people can, they book the Desi Hit Squad, how they book the Desi Hit Squad, I, I do feel like we we don't come across as a threat, you know, because I do, at one point in time, I felt like we did, um, but now I feel like we've just kind of been booked into the ground a little bit, and you know, like, I know this isn't news to anybody else, I've expressed my things to creative and stuff like that, and you know, I'm trying to give them ideas, and we're trying to, and I'm also trying to bust my butt to move up the ladder as well, and bring the crew along, so, yeah, you know, it's like uh, I, when they said, hey, go ahead, you know, say what you got to say. And so I did. I said what I had to say, and that was that. And then Ed came up to me. He's like, yeah, man, I honestly was, you were fired. I was going to fire you. <laughs> and so they told me you were having a match at the pay-per-view with Scarlett. And he goes, I had everything. The email was written up. I just was clarifying it with Scott to see what was going on. But you were done. And I thought that was hilarious. We laughed about it afterwards. But I just thought it was hilarious because <laughs> that's how good it was. You know what I mean? That's how good the tweet was. And I had people like you, you got a hold of me. And I had people just getting a hold of me left and right. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was, and I, it was, it was half truth. You know what I mean? So, well, it's, there you go. it's weird. It's weird and it's cool what you did in a way. Uh, you know, you did a couple different things in here, but there's this like rash of wrestlers right now who are writing these kinds of sentiments that you're talking about, which again, kind of, like you say, come from a blurred line place there, but venting their frustrations. So were you kind of playing and riffing a bit on what's really kind of happening right now with wrestling and social media? No, no. Uh, social media in general honestly gets on my nerves. I think that, like, when I, I look at the comments afterwards, I'm I'm all about whatever you believe in, totally. Yeah. I believe that we can have a conversation. You believe a guy turned water into wine? Awesome. You believe that there should be a wall up? Cool. We can have a civil conversation about these things, whether I believe in them or not. But once you start telling, well, you suck because you don't believe in intergender wrestling, or you suck, this will he guys appreciate, you know, all this stuff, and then it becomes toxic. And whether it's religion, politics, entertainment, or professional wrestling, the fan base is always toxic. But with social media, when I see, like, it's, it disgusts me. I can't stand it. Because people have, they use Twitter, and they're keyboard warriors, so... And they and they come out of the woodwork. And you saw it when I when I had my tweet. All these people, why do I want a T-shirt from somebody I don't know? And blah 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 blah. You can say I suck all day long. I know I don't suck. And I mean, you can say it's egotistical or whatever. I might not wrestle the style of what's in right now, 
but I'm, you know, I'm trying to wrestle like 97, 98, you know, Steve Austin and all these guys. Cause those guys, you'll never, ever forget 30 years from now. People are still going to be talking about the rock. So you go ahead, you go ahead and whatever, but I'm still going to be pushing my style of wrestling all the way to the top. But yeah, it's not really a riff off what social media is. It is honestly how I how I felt about certain things in the situation. It was just me being me, yeah. you know, except turned up to 10 with a couple of some nastiness in there. But I, I don't, I can't stand the way social media is. I honestly hate it. People are so toxic about 99% of the things that's on there. It's just ridiculous. So how hard was it for you to put that stuff out there? I mean, because I saw it and I, dude, I was like surprised. I was like, whoa. This is out of left field. I've never seen him tweet like this. He must be genuinely like pissed right now. You know, like how hard I got, I got, I got the green light, and once I got the green light, I was like, okay, now it's my turn to speak. Yeah, wow, uh, cool. You know what I mean? And it's honestly, if one of my things, like I, I'm hoping they give me a microphone and let me just kind of go off. Because I can translate that into into a promo, no no problem. Like I, one of my strong suits is being able to talk on the microphone. I believe that's a lost art, cutting a promo. But um, you know, Gama's a patriarch, so we we let him get all the say so. But once the opportunity and they give me that, it happens, arises, and they give me that microphone, that's gonna be a game changer, you know? Because all that stuff is just it's all built up inside. I'm just ready to let it out, and I try not to put a bunch of stuff like that on Twitter, and I try not to complain about, oh, I'm not getting this, or I'm not getting that. You know, no one wants to hear people complain about stuff. You have to have a solution to the problem if there is a, if you think there is a problem. You know, you have to be civil about things when you approach people, especially in the business. So I'm not going to go online and, you know, complain about my stuff. But, however, when they gave me the green light, I did want to voice my opinion and, uh, like you said, blur the lines a little bit. And, and I am, you know. It's it's I, I want more and I'm working. You don't ever go into a job and, and you have an entry-level position and you say, you know what, I'm pretty good with this entry-level position. No, if you're a hard worker, you want to rise up the ladder and you're going to work your ass off until you rise up the ladder. And that's what I've been trying to do. And I'm hoping that they notice it. I'm hoping they noticed it with the match with Scarlett and uh, that you can put me in the ring with anybody and you're going to get results. So uh, who's who's the uh, who's your ideal foil? Like, is there somebody in the company you you really think that you could shine with if you were given a chance to work, you know, a couple months with them? Uh, well, obviously, number one, Jake something because we've known each other for eons, and that's my boy. So now he's in there as the Deaners. So I'm hoping we'll get a one-on-one match. I my match with when they let me go with Shane Miguel. We were in Mexico and they gave us ten minutes. And people were raving and ranting about the match. They were like, man, I've never seen Rohit Heat work like this. It's because, you know, you gave me time, and I went out there and I did my thing. And I love being in the tag, don't get me wrong. I love the dynamic with Raj and myself. But I also love to go out there and do that type of stuff, too. And, you know, that's what I can do. And then on the same note, I love to go tell a story like we did with Scarlett. So, um, people were emotionally invested. They wanted to see her kick my ass. And that's one of the things I loved about it. It, we, it just... It's, I got to be a you know absolute piece of crap, and it translated really well, and there you go. And it, the, the response from it, and still people are tweeting at me, I can't, I'm so happy she whooped her ass and all this stuff. Well, you know, job done, you know. So, And and I would love to get in the ring with, um, man, who do I think? Any of the rascals I think I'd have a good time with. Uh, Ace Austin I think I'd have a good time with. I would really love to work with Sammy. I think Sammy's one of the top guys. And he can he can wrestle anybody, so yeah, 
Yeah, him and uh, him and uh, uh, Rich really tore the house down at, at Rebellion. I mean, no, that's another guy, Rich, Rich Swan. I really want to work with Swanee. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is Rebellion was like a really impressive show, I thought. From top to bottom, I thought it was a really enjoyable show. I didn't think there was like really any weakness on the card right now. Um, mm-hmm. No. You, you sound very passionate. You talk about how you go to creative. Like, what is your relationship with Impact Creative like right now? How does that, how does that play? Um, it's, it's, you know, it was, it was better when Sanjay was there. Okay. Sanjay was hands-on with us, and I could go to Sanjay and and be like, look, man, like, What's going on with us? Are you, you know, I really think, am I, am I doing well? I never hear any feedback. And, and Sanjay would tell me. And then Sanjay, you know, he got pulled up, you know, signed somewhere else. And and then it, I had to kind of, I guess, find someone that I could talk to. And so now, I, I, you know, I talked to Jimmy Jacobs and maybe I pitched something to him. And Petey and I had a very passionate conversation last night. I was kind of venting to him a little bit and he was explaining to me why certain things are like this and be patient and you know you have to figure out this is where they're going with you and this that and the other and you know I'm just trying to listen to him and I'm also trying to convey my frustrations and what I'm working towards as well and he's explaining to me you know how things work so just like guys like that and um just uh you know just trying to crack some you know try to scratch out a hole there and find a way uh, through and, and up to the top. And I am very passionate about it. I love professional wrestling. and I didn't get in it to be just, you know, another name. I got in it to be somebody. And once I get that chance, I think, you know, the rest of the world will see, okay, cool. And then you'll see people piling on the bandwagon. So yeah, it'll be funny. You know, you mentioned earlier how Impact was looking to fill that Indian void, which became the Desi Hit Squad. You know, I don't feel like like there was a there was like a land grab for India there. All of a sudden, where like everybody was trying to break into India, and I feel like that's kind of faded Uh off. I feel like that's kind of faded off a bit. Do you kind of feel the same way? I mean, do you think that's affected why you guys aren't being pushed as hard right now? It could be. I mean, if they had plans to go to India in September, you could tell then all of a sudden we'd be pushed. But that's my thing. I like, okay, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is not seen as a luchador anymore. Rey Mysterio is a great professional wrestler. Right. He's not a Mexican wrestler that just, he's not a uh, a great Mexican professional wrestler. He's a great professional wrestler that just happens to be, represent Mexico. I don't want to be known as, oh, here's, he's another one of these old, those Indian guys. Mm-hmm. I want to be known as, this guy's a great professional wrestler that happens to represent India. And it's the same thing with The Rock. When The Rock first came out, he was there all about him being Samoan and all this stuff. It wasn't until he became The Rock that he was, that he was himself, that he skyrocketed. You know what I mean? So I, I love the fact that I get to represent India, but I also don't want to be stereotyped in, in typecast as just this because I'm, I know I'm more than just that. If you see me on the Indies when I'm wrestling with Hakeem Zane, I'm walking out in a black jacket, black leather vest, you know what I mean? And just being something totally different because it's me. And I got to impact by being me. I didn't get to impact by any other means. So, And that's what I, I hope to you know accomplish sooner or later I do think, I know WWE has a big push on with India right now. They're trying to make something happen there. Um, and they're, you know, trying to grab guys from like legit Indian wrestlers. I do think it kind of died down in impact a little bit. They still have the deal with, uh, you know, Sony six or in India. So, but it's still, ha- I, I do feel like it has died down a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, how has it been working with Gama Singh? Um, you know, I love Gama. Yeah, man, Gama's great. He's 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 such a class dude. He's he's so soft spoken, and I just literally will sit here and listen to him tell me stories about Calgary, and he'll tell you stories about Haku and all the guys he knows and all the guys he was in the ring with. Stories about traveling to South Africa. And it's just great to listen to Gama. He's so, such a great guy. And then I love to see him go out there and rile up the crowd. Like, at first, they hate the fact that he's talking, right? Yeah. And the next thing you know, he sucks them in, and they're hating him because he's insulting them in such a manner that is, it's, it's just like, he's just out there talking to him. But he's out there talking to him with such class, and they just can't stand it. We were in Mexico, and they didn't know that he spoke Spanish. So he's like, all of a sudden he starts speaking Spanish and they start cheering, right? And then he insults them in Spanish. I didn't know what he was saying, but I was backstage before he walked out. And the boos just thunder down on him. And it's it's amazing. Like, he's very underrated. And um, people don't realize how much of a gem he is. I love it. I love working with Gama. Well, you talk about how you go to guys like Jimmy Jacobs or Pete Williams, and you're talking, like, is Gama Singh giving you advice about, like, you know, kind of how to handle this period in your career right now? He does. He's My biggest problem is that I'm impatient. Like, I'm really – I see everyone around me, and I see these guys that I've known, and I've watched them, you know, break into the business, and they're just rising up and – and getting a lot, and I'm like, well, I want to get that, you know, I want to get that on that level, and what do I got to do to get on that level, and I'm trying to do this, I'm coming up with ideas, and, and Gavin just tells me, like, you know, you got you to gotta go to ideas, but you also have to be, you know, you know, talk to them, you can't just be, you can't complain, you can't be a poor sport or anything like that, you have to see what the plan is, and you know, be able to express your ideas in a very civil way, which I have tried to do and I'm trying to do. And, um, you know, just trying to get us a little higher up on the card as well. I was very appreciative of getting that opportunity to be on the pay-per-view and with such heat, it felt great, you know. So I'm hoping they saw something there. From the feedback that I received, they did. So hopefully they'll capitalize off that. Good, man. I'm happy to hear that. You know, you were talking a little earlier about how when you go to the Indies, you're Hakeem Zane, now you're Rohit Raju in uh, Desi Hit Squad. Why the name change? That was something I wanted to ask you. Why not bring over what you you feel like is naturally you on the Indies as Hakeem Zane over into Impact? Because they wanted that Indian group, and Hakeem Zane is not Indian enough of a name. So, like, Hakeem is, like, my middle name, and Zane was the name uh, my mother was going to name me, so I kind of put it together as a tribute to her. And um, so that's what I was going as. And they wanted something more traditional, and so they did the Rohit Raju, which is so cool because Rohit is, like, first rate of son, and Raju translates to king, I believe. So sooner or later, I hope to do, like, ravishing Rohit Raju or the Raju or something of that nature just to be a damn fool. But... Uh, no, that's what's that's what they kind of wanted to go with. So you know, you kind of gotta well, toe the line a little bit and but you and say that's play what, the role and they say, try to do the best that I can with that character. It's still me out there. If you yeah, ever see me, sure. the way I walk to the ring, the way I stomp to the ring, the way I'm I'm a loud mouth prick still. So I mean, that's it's still me. It just happens to be under that guise. Would you, you know, but that's what I was going to say is like, you know, that's what they wanted, right? When they brought you in, but now where you feel like you're at and kind of where you'd like to go, would you embrace it if you were allowed to go out as Hakeem Zane and do something a little bit different? 
Oh yeah. Any, any, you know, any head brace, any type of change or anything that's going to get me higher up on the card, of course. Um, it, yeah, I, I would. It's, 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 I try still, I still try to make it me as Rohit Raju yeah. as much as I can. I and mean, I'm still with the Mohawk. And if you look at the group, I'm like the wild child of the group. I'm the black sheep. I come out with the Mohawk, you know, and where Raj is more quiet, he's like the good son, and I'm the bad kid, and I'm the one being obnoxious out there. So I, I, I like that dynamic that we have. But of course, I would always love to, you know, solidify what brought me to the dance in the in the first place. Yeah, you know, I, I'll wrap it up here. You know, obviously, a big part of your social media feud here with Scarlett was you came across you came across like kind of a misogynist. Rohit, all right. You said some things about <laughs> women that I think would could be taken wrong. What do you What do you want to say here about the quote unquote women's revolution and uh, kind of the work I guess Scarlett is doing as as part of it? I'm all about it. You know, I, I think it's awesome how far women have come in professional wrestling, and you know, headlining WrestleMania. That's fantastic, and they're just really busting ass and you know, kicking ass and taking names, and that's awesome. And it's sky's the limit from here and uh i i just think the stuff they're doing the the ground is groundbreaking and it's fantastic it's good to see that and now they're making guys work harder as well you know yeah. so people got to step up their game because now it's a it's finally in my opinion it's a level playing field maybe i'm wrong maybe they still think it's not but you know the ladies but they're doing a hell of a job and uh no, i just think it's awesome Cool, man. Or do I? <laughs> yeah, right? Mm, yeah. You sold me. Uh, Twitter. You can, yeah, let Twitter suck on that for a little bit and marinate in it a bit. Suck on that. One of my favorite phrases to go out on. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I really enjoy- I don't care. They hate me. They hate me. Good. <laughs> Congratulations. You think I suck? Awesome. Congratulations. Where- yeah, give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> Where- <laughs> Where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, and all of your totally non-controversial opinions? Oh, my non-controversial opinions? No <laughs> one wants that. Nobody wants to hear that. So uh, you can check me out, you know, on Twitter at Hakeem Zane. Uh, that's H-A-K-I-M-Z-A-N-E. Of course, I'm Raju Zane 80 on Instagram. And then the Mad Dragon, Hakeem Zane, or Rohit Raju on Facebook. Always posting matches. You can... See my beautiful promos and listen to my melodious voice as I cut them for the indies, and hopefully Impact will give me a microphone soon, so maybe I can be a little bit more controversial and have people spewing such hate towards me, which I, I you know, I soak it up like a sponge. So thank you, thank you, Internet. My guest at this time is a former WWE Women's and Knockouts champion. She will come out of retirement this Sunday night to take on Tessa Blanchard. It's Gail Kim. Gail, welcome back to the Winkley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, I'll get right to it here, Gail. I mean, you are 48 hours away from coming out of retirement. How are the nerves <laughs> settling in right now? Well, they were fine, and then you just said 48 hours, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is it already 48 hours? It's close. Um, I knew that the time I knew that the time would fly by, and uh, I'm very ready, actually. I took a couple of months. To get ready for this and uh you know because you know tessa blanchard is a premium athlete you can't take that away from her um 23 year old i'm 42 so you know i'm realistic at the same time i've been out of the ring for over a year 
So I got ready, and I feel as prepared as I ever will be. Now, you talk about all the time you've taken to get prepared for this bout. I mean, how has the decision to come out of retirement, get back into action, how's that affected your day-to-day life? Oh, boy. I would say that it's pretty much consumed my thoughts just because I, I think the people that have worked with me before or people that know me very well when, they, when it comes to my work, they know how seriously I take it. And, uh, you know, for me, even retirement, that was one of the things I didn't want the fans to see me start deteriorating. I knew my back was giving out on me and I don't, I never wanted the fans to remember me as anything but my best. And if I was going to come out of retirement, it would be the same and nothing would change in that regard. So I'm hoping that I'm the same Gail that they remember from over a year ago on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I uh, I read a recent interview you did with Scott Fishman, who actually ran it on our site, Wrestling Inc., and in the interview, yeah. you talked about how your body has been has adapted to not wrestling, right? Like, it's different yeah. now. You yeah. feel it. I, I believe the way you <laughs> described it is you feel everything every time you hit the mat. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, because when you're younger and you're in full-time wrestling mode, it's almost like you become desensitized or used to it. And, um, yeah, I really did feel everything, but I've been, you know, in reality though, I had to get in the ring to get ready for it all. Sure. And, um, I, I, I feel less, so that's a good sign. Okay. Well, my follow-up question to that would be, you know, you get yeah. in there, you start to throw your body around. Is there anything yeah. about, is there any moves or are there any aspects of wrestling that maybe you're a little gun shy about right now, having gotten back in there and feeling that physicality? No, I feel like, and that's a lot of mental, you know, preparing, I think, as well. Once you get in the ring and you, you kind of feel how your body's going to feel, basically. And I I feel good. Like, I don't feel any hesitation. For me, when I was even at the peak of my career, I never held back or had any hesitation when I was going for any type of big move or, you know, if I went through a huge fall um I, I feel in the same mindset right now, so that's a good positive sign. You know, obviously it's going to mean a lot for Tessa's career to beat you, Gail, if she can. You know, if, <laughs> if she, she can. If she can. But on the reverse yeah. side here, what does it mean to you, and what kind of a statement would you be trying to send with a victory over Tessa Blanchard? You know, I, I was just talking to one of the girls I started out in wrestling with, Tracy Brooks, and she said, you know, make make – an old girl proud she said and I said well we're not old we'll just call ourselves experienced and um I I honestly it's almost like a little test for me as well but I I've been telling everyone on you know previous interviews that they they're asking me why why Tessa Blanchard and um and I said you know she's the best of the best right now um if there is any reason for me to come out of retirement it is for the best right now and she is a third-generation wrestler. She is the one to look out for right now and in the future. So um, it, it's going to be a great challenge for me. And it, it will mean a lot to, I think, both of us in the end. Yes, we have gotten under each other's skin, but I think ultimately we have a lot of respect for one another. Now, one of the things, I guess, uh, I'll go on a little tangent here real quick. Where's the line for you when you start to get into it on social media and stuff? I mean, we've seen like Ronda Rousey and all these other people say some very over-the-line kinds of things. Like, how far are you willing to go to get into your opponent's head here ahead of a bout? Oh, 
mm, it depends on how much they piss me off. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think I'm kind of that girl that you bring it up a level, I'm going to go there, you know, up a level as well. Um, as far as they want to take it, as long as I feel comfortable in terms of where I stand and what I stand for, I've never wavered in that regard. Um yeah, then I'm willing to take it to that next level, too. Okay. Uh, you know, you brought up Tracy Brooks. Um, I just saw it, uh, Tara, a.k.a. Victoria, here in Chicago yeah. not long ago. It does seem oh, like uh, – well, obviously, I know you guys, uh, you know, share the sorority, the fraternity, whatever you want to call, together. Yeah. What do you uh, – would you like to see Tracy or Victoria come back? I mean, especially with Victoria, it sounds like, or Tara – she sounds like she's going to be hanging up the boots. Would you like to see her have a couple more matches in Impact as well? You know, I just want to see her have the proper send-off that she deserves, whether that's our company, WWE, any company. To You know, a lot of wrestlers just don't get that, you know, uh, an ideal send-off. Either something happens with an injury or something. I've been very fortunate in terms of, the ending of my career um and i want that for her because she's worked so hard and has given so much and the fans love her i i want that and i will say you know tommy dreamer is a really good guy he has his own promotion called you know hustle hardcore and that's one thing that i've noticed that he's done for a lot of wrestlers is give them that proper send-off that they deserve and i feel like after putting your body through all that for all the fans and uh for everyone the sacrifice you make of going on the road full-time I think people deserve that to have peace of mind. I, I think you're 100 percent right. You know, uh, you know, yeah. I look at your your match here with Tessa, and to kind of get back to that here a little bit. You know, you talk about how yeah. she's the best right now. In my mind, yeah. when I talk about you possibly beating Tessa here, if you beat yeah. the top, if you beat the top dog, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> But then that's my intention. You become the top dog, though, I think, Gail. And I mean, is this a one off for you if you're able to beat Tessa? Are you looking yeah. at more matches beyond this? No, it's a one off for me, honestly. I think a lot of people don't believe me because I think it's a kind of almost a famous thing that wrestlers don't really retire, as they say. And so when I when I made the announcement or we made the announcement about the match, I think a lot of people weren't surprised to hear the news in terms of a wrestler coming out of retirement. And some people actually thought it was like my first time coming out of retirement, but it's actually only my first time. And um, it took a lot of decision making because I think people think most of the time a wrestler would miss the in-ring action, but because of my back and also I get to work with the girls in an agenting role behind the scenes now, I, I, I don't miss it because I have those things to fulfill my, you know, my need of wanting wrestling in my life. And so it was a big decision. I had to be the right opponent. Um, I had to get two doctor's clearances to make sure that I, didn't, I wasn't going to have any long-term damage to my back. And everything just worked out. So I, I, I just want to make some magic this, this Sunday and, and beat my opponent and yeah. show that a 42-year-old can hang with a 23-year-old and beat her. Well, you know, it's, it's weird to me, I guess, to hear you say that as a, as a 42-year-old. Gil, that's not young to I mean, that's not old to me at all. I mean, we're, right. there, there's, right. less, there's less than a decade between us. I'm 34. If you're saying 42 years <laughs> old, that, that's really kind of a, a daunting thing for me to hear. I feel like it, I think it, in wrestling okay. it's considered a little bit older, and then I hear it from you know I hear I hear you know when you 
uh, get into your 30s and you hear the 20-year-olds saying, oh, my God, I'm going to be old soon. And then when you're in your 30s, you hear the 40-year-olds saying, you know, it's kind of the same pattern. And you realize how young you are. Like, I feel young. Um, but I think when you hear people saying, well, she's half your age and you're going to have to keep up with her, you know, it, it can play some mind games. But I, I'm ready. I'm I, ready. I guess one of the things I wanted to ask uh, on that note was, you know, for men, I feel like 50 is like where a lot of guys aimed to, to yeah. retire at. Low key, I know. I just talked to him. He said he wanted to go out at 50. There's a couple others. I think Joey Ryan wow. said. Yeah. Loki, or yeah. not Loki, I think Joey Ryan said something similar to me recently. Do you Joey think that... can do it, though. Okay. Loki is a more physical uh, wrestler. So I don't know how old he is now. I thought he was a little bit, he must be younger than me, definitely. I think he, I think he um, might be a little older than you. He might be about the same age. I, oh, think, I think he's within striking really? distance of a decade okay. now, last I chatted with him, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, well, then he's doing pretty good. Because I know, you know, just this generation of wrestling, though, it's changed so much. It's much more uh, athletic, high-paced, uh, a, a lot more bumps and moves. And um, I find that I'm seeing younger talent being more injured now or yeah. having more issues with their body. And the career plan is shortening. So um, I would like to see a little bit of it pulled back, mm -hmm. you know, um, but then that's where I'm moments is that I'm told I'm old. <laughs> oh, Gail, you, it's 2019. This is the way wrestling is. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you can't combine, you know, yeah. that what it is now and what it was then. Uh, well, two, two more questions here for you, Gail. One, I'll say I read uh, that we, I read your Fishman piece again. I'll get back to Scott's thing here. He said that you, okay. were, you were training with Jay Lethal for this match. Um, I am a big Jay Lethal fan. I was just wondering what it's like to train with Jay, and, and why did you choose him as a trainer? Well, Jay's always been a really longtime friend of mine, number one. Number two, he has a wrestling school in Tampa, Florida, which is a very easily accessible to me. And so he's always been that guy that says, hey, Gail, if you need to use the ring, cool. And so he, he spent at least a good two – it wasn't a lot. I mean, it was a good two days in there, and I spent time at other rings as well. Um, but Jay was always one of those people back in the day when I worked with him at TNA – and it was TNA then, yeah. uh, him and AJ Styles were the two people that I would always go up to after a match because they were the ones that told me straight, straight, you know, uh, okay, that looked like crap or what was that? Or, you know, the good and the bad. And so I appreciate people who give me criticism and, and give me the honest truth to get better. And so I knew he would tell me the truth of, you know, how I was moving or what I needed to, to do to get better. And um, I was just in the ring with him about two days ago. So he's a great guy. Cool. All right. Last question here, Gail. I got to ask you about one of the hottest topics right now that we have on the site in women's wrestling. And that is that Sasha sure. Banks reportedly wants out of her oh, WWE yeah. contract. She's sitting it out. That's what reportedly yeah. she's oh, doing. She yeah. Reportedly, oh, she's wow. just sitting out her contract. She doesn't want to come back. Um, what do you wait? That's a long time. No, how much? How many years does she have? I don't. I mean, Gail, I could be months. It could be years. I'm not really sure what the length of her contract is. But it does sound like she's yeah. sitting. They told her to go home. She's sitting it out. She's unhappy there. I mean, what do you think of a decision yeah. like that? And I mean, this all sounds. I mean, it sounds like I'm breaking this to you. But I mean, what do you think of a decision like that? I mean, and would you like? You're to asking me, and I think you're asking me, and I think a lot of people know I'm, I'm very truthful and. Uh, the way that 
I'm I'm on always on the talent side. I've been in a similar position, but not with the amount of time she had left on her contract. I quit with seven weeks left on my contract, and they didn't even want to let me out of seven weeks. <laughs> you know, and that's nothing. And also, I wasn't even treated as a valuable talent. So for me, in my mind, I just thought, well, why why are you holding on to me for seven more weeks if if I wasn't a valuable talent to me? It doesn't even matter if I jump ship to another wrestling company because who was I to you? Nothing, right? Yeah. So in that regard, I just didn't understand. So for me, I just thought it was a major control issue within them. And I think that there's employees that are unhappy, then I think that they should let them out of their contracts, um, especially in our world. Uh, I, I don't know, like, does that hold up in court? Because I know Brock Lesnar had a non-compete for 10 years and he won that case because you can't, I mean, obviously, I guess they can do it because they're still paying her. So in that regard, I see where it makes sense. But I, I don't believe in holding people against their will, you know, and we're supposed to be independent contractors. That means we should be able to work anywhere we want. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's a whole nother discussion that we could probably talk about for another yeah. hour. I, um, I, I but I, I'll always stand by the talent side on that. Okay. I tried to keep it to all uh, rebellion, Tessa, training questions. I had yeah. to ask you, though, Gail. You know, it's just so buzzy that's right fine. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, hopefully. I mean, yeah. Well, hopefully. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, hopefully another time, Gail. I obviously have more questions for you, but uh, I'm very okay. much looking forward to Sunday Night Rebellion. You, Tessa Blanchard, anything you'd like to leave everyone with here to send us home to Rebellion? Just, yeah, um, tune in. It'll be on the Fight app. Uh, you can get tickets if you're in the area, impactwrestling.com. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Gail Kim, it's me. And uh, I hope everyone tunes in. I'm really excited. Oh, and I'm throwing up the first pitch at the Blue Jays game tonight for, and this Vladimir Guerrero Jr., everyone's talking about it, and I have to throw a strike. (laughs) The pressure is on. The pressure is on. Thank you very much to Justin for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you to Rohit. Thank you to Gail. Thank you to Impact Wrestling for helping to set all of this up. And uh, I know you said you haven't been watching Impact here uh, much recently, Justin, but I would highly recommend going out of your way to watch uh, Rebellion from this past Sunday night. Top to bottom, one of the most fun pay-per-views I've watched in a while, and I thought the production was just very good. I thought it was filmed in a way that I enjoyed the show, if that makes sense. Um, I, well, I believe I believe that because just the few clips and images and, and GIFs and all that I've seen, it does the, both the, the way the arena and the venue look and obviously some of the in-ring action look, I, I, it has piqued my interest. I probably will make a point to find it. Go find that one. It was cool. I really did enjoy Rebellion. And if you're enjoying this show, if you enjoy Wrestling Inc., go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. Get the Jack Journalist shirt. Show your love for the site. Let everybody know Wrestling Inc. This is where you get your news. Also, uh, I'll be back on Friday for a video version of the Winkley. Of course, tomorrow we'll do our podcast here with Justin. But if you want to watch myself and Raj Geary every Friday, uh, go over to the Ringside Wrestling app. It's free to download. Download the Ringside Wrestling app. You can get Raj and I in video form running down the top five stories of the Wink uh, over on the Ringside Wrestling app. Tomorrow, uh, like I said, I'll be back with Justin here for the latest podcast version of the Winkley. Our guests here on the show tomorrow will be none other then MVP, our friend Scott Fishman sat down with MVP, and I also got an interview with WrestleMania weekend breakout star Dustin No Legs Thomas. Did you get a chance to, to see any of the uh, the No Legs clips that came out from WrestleMania weekend? 
I believe, I believe actually, when you and I saw each other WrestleMania week, you brought my attention to him. Oh, that's that right. So I did, yes. Oh yeah. Well, I I had to track him down. This guy has a very inspirational story. I, you know, I I'm calling him No Legs because everybody calls him that. But tomorrow in the show, we address the fact that that's not his nickname. He doesn't even. He's like, I'm Dustin Thomas. You know, you guys are chanting No Legs, which is great. No harm, no foul. But he doesn't call himself No Legs. So anyway, yeah. Very good interview. I know you guys will enjoy it tomorrow. Uh, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today? Follow me on Twitter and all social media at Justin Labar. I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>